I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew, as today we're starting a brand new sermon series, still chronologically through the Gospels, looking at the life of Jesus. But now we come to a time in his ministry where he's begun to instruct his disciples. We had seen last week that Jesus named his disciples, and now he's bringing them together. And his first instruction is what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This morning we're going to be reading and studying Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, in a message that I have titled, The Blessings of Happiness. It was just last week in our study, but in the, in the, the chronological life and ministry of Jesus, when 12 men came together and now are going to follow Jesus under his instruction, and Jesus is now going to start, he's going to kickstart this ministry and, and this instruction that's going to follow these men for the next couple of years. There's a very important reason why Jesus is going to be so, he's, he's going to pay such close attention to his instruction. And he's going to be very particular in his words. Because he knows that he's not simply teaching them so that they could know, he's teaching them so that they could teach. These men are learning and eventually they're going to be teachers. Come with me to Matthew chapter 5, we're in verse number 1. The Bible says this, the disciples gathering, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went on the mountainside and he sat down, and his disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Matthew chapter 5 lists what we refer to as the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude, it, it, it simply refers to, it, it means supreme blessingness, blessedness. It would be fair to say we don't really use the word Beatitude that often in our modern day culture, right? It's a supreme blessedness. And this is a list that, that Jesus is giving to his disciples and giving to his followers that lists blessings. We don't really even use the word bless or blessed or blessing that much in our modern day culture. And, unless somebody sneezes, right? It's about the only, that's, that's really, so even if, if we're to study that word, so we kind of have a definition as we move forward this morning, to bless or a blessing is referring to a state of, of happiness. People would say, oh, blessed means happy. In some translations of the Bible, we'll see it using the word happy. Happy are those who. But blessed and, and, and blessed, it's, it's a stronger word in the original language than simply happy. To be blessed means to enjoy God's special favor and grace. It's a little bit more extreme than happy, right? To be blessed is to enjoy God's special favor and grace. And for God to bless you is for him to create hope and to create a special favor for you. Jesus is starting out his lesson to the disciples, teaching them where the blessings of God come from and where true happiness comes from. The opposite of, of a blessing, the opposite of a blessing would be a curse. No one would want to live under a curse from God, right? 
We, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't feel that, that in our lives we could be productive and we can be spiritually happy living under a curse from God. Jesus, in this passage, he is teaching about the avenues to spiritual happiness. We often read the Beatitudes in their old English, and it says, Blessed are those who are those. It's not blessed are those who will be. It's blessed are those. It's an active verb. It's referring to now. It's not referring to blessed is later. It's saying blessed are those. These are some of the biblical spiritual paths to happiness. Some people might say, you know, I, I struggle with that. I don't know why I'm not happy. And I would ask, are, are we following the spiritual paths that God has given us to happiness? Are we following the instructions that he has given us? If God is the creator of happiness and the giver of special favor and grace, he certainly has the right to lay down the guidelines for which we are to obtain his blessing, does he not? He has that obligation and, and he certainly has that right to do so. Are we to expect God to bless us when we live outside the parameters of his blessings? No, right? God has blessings, but he also has a pathway for us to obtain those blessings. And you know what God wants to do? He absolutely wants to bless you. Every single person he wants to bless. He wants to put in a position of spiritual blessedness. But he says, hey, these are my parameters for this. There's a little boy years ago who would go with his parents every year downtown to the local Founders Day Parade. And growing up, he would sit at the parade every year and he'd be mesmerized by the animals that would come down the street. And then, and then by the clowns that would be walking down. And then the floats from different businesses from town that would come, come down the street. But there was one of the entries that every single year that he would wait for. And it was the local high school band. He would hear that band coming from what seemed like miles away. And he would sit and watch and wait for this band to come down and be right in front of him and his family. And he would watch them as the high school kids would walk in perfect unison in these beautiful uniforms and, and playing their instruments all different, but making just a, a unison and, and a harmonious sound. And, Every year, he waited to watch the high school band walk through the parade. When he was promoted into high school, he found on the bulletin board of his high school, he found a, just a sign that said, it's an informational meeting for the high school band. Everyone come to the meeting. And he went to the meeting, and the, the band conductor said, he told them, anyone who wants to join the band can join the band. And that had been a dream of his for years, was to one day be in that parade and be with that band and wear one of those uniforms. And he made it to school. And the conductor says, anyone who wants to will be accepted. Everyone who wants to play can play. You're going to be taught how to play an instrument. And every single person who wants to walk in the Founders Day Parade with the band is absolutely allowed to do so. There is one requirement. The requirement to this young man's dream was that you sign up and you come to practice. That's it. You sign up. 
and you come to practice. You don't have to be any good at an instrument. You don't have to be first chair in the band. You don't even know how to know, you don't have to know how to march very well. All you have to do is show up, come to practice, you get to walk in the parade. The day came to sign up, and this young man, he didn't sign up, and he didn't go and get an instrument, but a few months later, when the Founders Day Parade was coming to town, he showed up in street clothes into the parking lot where the band was getting ready to, to form and getting ready to walk in the parade, and, and he shows up, and the conductor looks at him, and he, and he asks, what is it exactly that you're doing here? And, and he says, I'm, I'm here to walk in the parade with the band. And the conductor looked at him, and he, and he told him, he says, there was a pathway that allowed for you to take part in the blessing of walking in the Founders Day Parade, and you didn't choose that. You didn't choose that pathway. He says, today, you can't walk with us. What we asked was for you to just come and practice. And there's blessings. Now here, I don't want you to get this mixed up with salvation, okay? But this young man had has parameters for the blessings that he has for us. It's like this young man had dreams of walking in this parade. And all he had to do was show up. And show up to practice and sign up. And he didn't do that. That leads us to our first point this morning. If you're new and joining us for the first time, you'll find on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks and I'm going to give you those up here on the screen, and you, you can fill those in in your notes. Point number one in your notes this morning. The true spiritual happiness and blessings are directly tied to the authority of Jesus and our obedience to his will. I know it's a little bit of a longer one this morning. I'll read it again for you. True spiritual happiness and blessings are directly tied to the authority of Jesus and our obedience to his will. I want you to understand whose will that we're being obedient to. It's not our will, right? It's being obedient to his will. If we live outside the authority and outside the obedience to his will, we fall outside his blessings. It's pretty simple. That's why our lives can feel cursed at times. It's at these, these moments that we must look back on ourselves and ask, who is it that we're serving? It needs to be kind of one of our first questions when we're in a tough spot in life. Who is it that we're serving? Is it ourselves and our world, or is it our Lord and our Savior? See, in order to obtain the spiritual blessings of God, we must recognize the spiritual authority of Jesus. We do that by bringing our lives to Christ. And even that is, is a major blessing in our lives to be walking as a child of God now. But we see our blessings in our spiritual life and in our worldly life. See, here's something that we can recognize. We can see our, our blessings increase as we see our obedience increase. These go hand in hand. I don't want you to get the impression we've talked about this before, that blessings from the Lord are only tangible and are only financial and are only windfalls. Sometimes, right? Lord. Being that these verses in Matthew chapter 5 are so popular in the traditional reading, 
We're going to read them both from a, a very traditional translation this morning, and, and then we're going to look at them in a more modern translation so that we can analyze them a little bit. So we are going to see them in the, new, in the King James Version, and we're going to look at them in the Good News Translation as well. From the King James Version, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 3 reads like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's some language issues in this text that we need to look at to say, okay, what exactly does that mean? We need to reconcile. What does it mean being poor in spirit? What does it mean being meek? Let's look at this in another translation. This is from the Good News Translation. It says, happy are those who know that they are spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. Happy are those who are humble. They will receive what God has promised. See, Jesus is saying that those who are spiritually poor will be blessed. Is Jesus really saying that if your spirit is in poverty, that you could be happy? Yep, absolutely. Poverty, I want you to think of that and connect that to poor in spirit, being somebody who is, their spirit is in poverty. Imagine if Jesus had said, you know what, the only people who will inherit the kingdom of heaven are those people who are spiritually rich. Those people who can recite the Bible blindfolded backwards in all the books of the Bible. Imagine if Jesus had said it's only those who are the religious elite who are going to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't that leave a lot of us out? Doesn't that leave a lot of us to fall short? See, Jesus isn't saying that. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Some of us today would be lacking that spirituality needed if that bar was raised beyond poor. But see, what Jesus needs to is he gives us hope, right? He still leaves us that opportunity to, to, to belong to the kingdom of heaven. He's showing us an amazing definition of hope. He's saying, even though you have a spiritual deficit in your life, have hope because there's so much more room to grow. You're not, you're not excluded because you come with nothing. You are welcome because you come with nothing. He's saying the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to people who are spiritually arrogant. People who can recite the, 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 the Bible. People who can stand on the corner and, and preach without hesitation. He's not excluding them either. But what he's saying is, for those of us who can't, there's hope. It's still open for us, the opportunity for the kingdom of heaven and salvation. It is there. It is there for us. And then he goes on. Christ says in verse 5, Happy are those who are humble, for they will receive what God has promised. To be humble. To be humble is to have an extremely low estimate of your own importance. To have a low estimate of your own importance. The King James Version uses the word meek. And sometimes in our world, we seem to take the word meek and use the definition of the word weak. It's not the same word. It's being meek and being humble are to understand that we are not the most important people in our own lives. God is the most important person in our life. 
See, Jesus didn't come to bless the selfish. He didn't bless the arrogant. He didn't bless the, the pompous, those who walk in extreme vanity. Those aren't the ones who, who Jesus came to bless. He's already told us. He says they have their blessing, right? Many of these who go out in and, and the street corner in those days and would pray loudly and, and who, would, who would fast so everyone could, could see how hungry they are, he would say they, they, they have what, what they've asked for. The, they've got the acknowledgement from men. See, Jesus is administering a blessing of happiness to those who put God first and even more so put themselves last, second. See, somebody could put God first and still put themselves second. Jesus never asked us to put God first and to put ourselves second, did he? Some could argue that Jesus is saying, how far down can you put yourself and put me above others and above you? How far down can you put yourself? Rick Warren writes this in The, Perfect, the, the Purpose Driven Life. He writes this. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's important for us to realize that, that Jesus is telling us that even though our spirit might not be full, we can still be happy simply knowing who Christ is. We can, we can be happy and spiritually satisfied by simply being obedient to Jesus. Now, there's plenty of room to grow if, the, if, if the, only, the only level of our spirituality is, is knowing who Christ is and being obedient to his word. We still have a lot of room to grow, right? But we can still be happy. We can still be spiritually blessed. He's telling us that selfishness and pride are going to destroy relationships, those two things will almost destroy any relationship. You look back throughout your life and look at the relationships that have, that, have, uh, that have fallen apart, and you can almost every single time bring the cause down to one of two things, selfishness or pride. One of those two things. Those two will absolutely get in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I know somebody in our life who is living in spiritual poverty. There might be somebody that you know that you pass every day on the way to work who is outside at a spiritual stoplight and they're asking for a handout. They're asking you to roll down the window and hand them some good news about Jesus. That's spiritual poverty. But you know what? It's up to us to be able to support our friends and neighbors in our community who need the word of our Lord and Savior. Amen? Kingdom of heaven is our job. There are those who are poor in spirit, and Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. It's not reserved for the religious elite in Jerusalem. Anyone can come. Just show up. Those are the parameters. That's, that's how we obtain the blessing. And when it comes to happiness and the blessings of God, it is so desperately important that we know that all blessings begin with Jesus. Our Lord goes on and continues his teaching in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to come back with me to verse number 6. This is what we have read all of our lives from the King James Version. Verses 6 through 9 reads like this. Blessed are they... 
which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And a little more modern translation reads like this. It says, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace, for God will call them his children. What did Jesus mean when he spoke these words to his disciples? He meant this. Watch this. Go ahead and write this down with me. Point number two in your notes this morning. Happiness in our everyday lives is joined to happiness in our spiritual lives. Happiness in our everyday lives is joined to happiness in our spiritual lives. If we are not happy spiritually, we are going to suffer from deep sadness in our personal lives. That's what comes from distance from the Father. When we are living distant from God, we are living distant from happiness. We are living distant from blessings. We have all of these moments when maybe we've struggled with depression or or maybe when we've struggled in our marriage or maybe when we've struggled with a loved one who has hurt us or or minge and a job and co-workers or maybe we're having difficulty with revenge and vengeance and or holding grudges against other people. And Jesus is telling us that what leads to happiness And God's special favor and his blessing are none of these things that we can control, none of these things that happen when we put ourselves first. The only thing is to accept that and follow that deep desire in our hearts to be obedient and do what God requires. That's where our happiness comes from. It comes from obedience. I want to make a a, a distant analogy here. Maybe at one point you had a new puppy. Have you ever had a new puppy that barks all night long, can't seem to find the backyard in time at all, right? Chews up everything that is chewable. Your brand new glasses, those are gone. That universal remote, that is gone. Your new iPhone, let's hope you bought insurance, because it's gone now. So at one point, you decide and you recognize that it's time for some obedience training. So you take this puppy and you go down to the PetSmart every Thursday for an hour and you sit with the lady and she runs the dogs around the lap and jumps over the stuff and you click the little thingy and the dog sits down and after six weeks, what you have is a dog that you can say sit and that dog sits. Do you know who's happy now? Both a dog and an owner. Because there are blessings now. This dog is able to now bless the family, and the family is able to bless this new dog and this new pet. And there's communication now, right? Obedience leads to blessings. 
If we're looking to obtain God's blessings and we're looking to, to come closer in obedience to God, maybe we need to take ourselves to PetSmart, right? Maybe God wants to take ourselves back to the training manual to see what it is that God wants us to come and learn from Him so we can learn what it takes to be obedient to Him. Because doesn't that lead to a better relationship? When now we can connect with God the way that he is asking us to connect with him? Amen. Verse number 7 says this. It says, blessed are the merciful. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. None of these verses say, blessed are those who create trouble with their sister-in-law. Blessed are those who create drama within the family. Blessed are those who gossip. It doesn't say, blessed are those who purposefully go out and hurt others. If we are spiritually desiring to please God and spiritually desiring to be merciful to others and spiritually desiring to be poor in heart and spiritually desiring to be peaceful to others, then happiness is going to infiltrate every area of our life because we're being obedient. There was... We all have illustrations of happiness in our lives. In our world, though, there's also an illusion that we're the creators of our own happiness, right? A lot of people tell you that all the time. You can be happy, just do, do what... You be you, right? Have you heard that? You be you, and you be happy. You don't want... No, uh-uh. You don't want... I don't think that you want us being us. I don't want to be a child of me. I want to be a child of God. Amen? Amen. There was a man once who asked his wife what she wanted for Christmas, and she told him, nothing would make me happier than a diamond necklace. And so, in order to make her happy, he gave her a big box of nothing on Christmas. <laughs> See, our happiness is not man-made. Our happiness is God-made. Some people live day after day with an emptiness inside, with a void, and, and some struggle for even a smile where God is distant. Happiness is distant. Where God is distant Happiness is distant. How happy are you in your life? The follow-up question I feel that Jesus is asking is Jesus is saying, how close to me are you right now? How close, how close are we right now? Jesus is saying. Saying, I know you want happiness. It's, it's what, as, as not even children of God, everyone wants to be happy, Christian or not, believer or not. Everyone strives for happiness. And when we don't have it, sometimes we say, well, what do we have to do to get it? The non-believer says, I can create it myself. Those who follow Christ know Christ and are obedient to Christ know our happiness comes from one place. For those that aren't followers of Christ, their happiness only comes from one place too. They just haven't found it yet. Because the happier we are in our spiritual life, the more blessed we are in our spiritual life, we find that is 
the deeper we are in our connection with God, the more obedient we're being to His Word, and the happier we find ourselves in our everyday life. It trickles down. It trickles from our spiritual life into our everyday life. And it's only because the blessings are the blessings that God provides. They're not blessings that we create for ourselves. When we start focusing on ourselves first, then that puts God somewhere that he doesn't deserve to be, and that's any place other than first place. There is no one else in our world, not even ourselves, that deserves to be put on God's pedestal. When we put anyone else or anything else on God's pedestal, That doesn't lead to happiness, right? We can't get the happiness, the spiritual happiness from somebody else or something else. When we are humble and we are serving God, we find that spiritual satisfaction. But I'll ask for a it's over. I could ask for a show of hands, I won't. But I'll ask for a show of hearts if you have ever recognized a blessing from God that you didn't expect. That God showed up for a, with a blessing that you hadn't been praying for, that you hadn't been asking for, that you didn't even know was coming. But you know what? God knew that you needed that blessing, and he was there because he knows, because he cares, and because, you know what? You're within his path to blessings, right? Does he have to reserve his blessings for only the things that we're asking for? No, absolutely not. He's going to bless us with the things that we need much more than bless us with the things that we want. Isn't that amazing, the way that God works? I don't want you to get the impression, though, that reading your Bible is going to, to simply bring eternal smiles all day long, and every day is going to be a day full of pizza parties and pony rides. Okay? I mean, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want you, I don't want you to walk away and get this impression that, oh, pastor said, you know what, I just got to read my Bible and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I am just blessed and happy every single day and life is awesome. I don't want you to get the impression that there's things that nothing is going to go wrong now because there's times when we're still going to be put down, when we're ridiculed. There's days that our faith is going to be the reason why other people are trying to ruin our day. Fortunately, though, Jesus already gives us the answer to some of these bad days. He, he tells us, you know what, your, your faith is going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem in this world. But he addresses, he answers questions before we even ask them. It's amazing. Watch this in Matthew chapter 5 or in verse number 10. Again, from the King James Version, he writes, Blessed are those which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Let's modernize that about 400 years now. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And persecute you and tell you all kinds of evil against you because you are my followers? That's what Jesus is saying. Watch this. Point number three in your notes. Let's write this down. Christians who are oppressed, Christians who are oppressed find joy in the Lord. Christians who are oppressed can find joy in the Lord. I don't want you to simply look at this and think, okay, so that's limited to only when I'm oppressed for my faith. 
It might not be somebody directly coming and oppressing you for your faith, but there are things that, that are distant that we are, we are oppressed for our faith because we are different. Would it be fair to say that Christians are different? Christians in our modern day culture should absolutely be different. We should be noticeably different. See, Jesus is giving this lesson to his disciples about being mistreated for his name because, remember, they're early in their, in their learning as disciples, right? They're sitting down, they're getting their first few lessons, and they're about to experience this type of persecution for the first time. For the first time in their lives, they are going to be persecuted, not for being Jews, which they've been, but now for being followers of Christ. Some of these men are going to be physically beaten. Some of them are going to be tossed in prison for their faith. Some of them are going to, and actually most of them, are going to die for Jesus. The half-brother of Jesus, a man by the name of James, tells us this in James chapter 1, Verse number two, he writes this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of all kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. One of the men listening to Jesus as he gives the Sermon on the Mount, one of his new disciples, a man by the name of John, writes this in John 15, verse 19, The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of this world so it hates you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. According to Open Doors USA, in just the last year there have been over 245 million Christians living in places where they have experienced high levels of persecution in our world. 245 million. 1,804,305 4, Christians have been killed for their faith in the last year. 1,847 churches and other Christian buildings worldwide have been attacked. 3,150 believers detained in our world without trial. They've been arrested. They've been sentenced or imprisoned simply because they were followers of Jesus. That joy is when we hear and we work with Christians all over the world who suffer because they serve Jesus. God cares for his people, and he's never going to leave them, and he's never going to forsake them, and he loves and he cares for us. We're persecuted. We might not be persecuted like they are in some other countries, but it's going to come. It's going to happen. Do you know what it means if you're being mistreated for the gospel? It means this. It means you're doing something right. It means you're doing something right. It means that this world is noticing Christ in you and it wants to shy away. There, there's people that'll come out of the darkness, they'll see you, and they want to run back into the darkness because that's where they're comfortable. The world is very comfortable in the dark. You and I are not of the dark. You and I are of the light. Everywhere we go, anyone we see, we are shining the light of Jesus, and this world does not like it. But you know what? We're told that in advance. It's not something that we walk into this world and we're persecuted and we're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. No, we should expect it. 
The very, in, in this instruction, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples. One of the first things he tells them is following me is going to bring persecution. Be ready for it. It's not a surprise. It's not our job to go out into our world and purposely create a Bible fight. It's pretty evident that we can. It's not our job to do so. It's our job to shine a Bible light out in our world. And when, when, when we show up into darkness with the light to understand we're going to be persecuted, but we still have to walk in with the alienation. Some of this mistreatment that comes from our world is going to come in the way of maybe, maybe it's alienation. Sometimes we're left alone because we don't fit in with our culture anymore. Sometimes there's people who are going to look back on us and say, well, you're a lot different than you were two years ago. Like, wow, yeah, a couple of years ago, you would have come to hang out with us and there's something different. Yeah, there's something different. There's someone different. It's exactly what it is. There is a difference. I don't fit in anymore. I am a child of God and I am different. There's a happiness that comes with the blessings that we are giving, that we are given because of our obedience. Jesus says that your obedience is in itself a blessing. And we're not to be happy for our own sake. We're not to be persecuted for our own sake. It's not for us to go walk around and say, somebody persecuted me today. Look at me, all persecuted for the gospel. I stood up to persecution, yay me. It's not a blessing for us. It's a blessing because that persecution brings glory to God. Right? I want you to come back with me again. Our final text this morning comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verse number 12. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Point number four in your notes, the believer in Christ can find joy even in the times of life's disappointments. A believer in Christ can find joy even in the time of life's disappointments. Jesus is telling his disciples that they will be persecuted. They're not the first. They won't be the last. We still are today. Let me tell you, your children that you bring up for Christ, they will be persecuted in their lives. Your grandchildren that someday you're going to pray with when they come over and, and, they, and they stay the night and you're going to say prayers with them at night at the dinner table and before they go to bed, they will be persecuted for their faith. It's not going to stop, but more so. Everyone has been, everyone will be. But more so, what Christ is telling his disciples is to find joy and happiness in this. Because it shows that you're separated from the world. It shows that you're walking with Christ and that people recognize Christ in you. If people don't see Christ in you, you're not going to be persecuted. You walk like the rest of the world, you get treated like the rest of the world. You walk like one of the disciples, we can expect to get treated like one of the disciples from the world. But you know what we can also expect to do? We can expect to invite and lead new brothers and sisters into the kingdom of heaven. That's our job, right? 
Christ says that it's not you and I that people hate. It's Him. He said it's not you. It's me that they see in you. So if somebody is to persecute you for Christ, we should be joyful that Jesus is being seen through us. Amen? Amen. It's certainly important to realize that, that Jesus has another reason to teach this to his disciples. And it's because his disciples are going to be teaching this to other people. This is their first lesson. But he expects them to teach this lesson to other people. Because eventually they're going to be the messengers. All of us are eventually going to be the messengers, right? That's our job. It's not our job to come on Sundays and sit for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. We have to go at some point, right? We need to go and to teach others. And when you and I lead that new believer to Christ, it's important to let them know what comes with their faith. We don't hide it. We don't sugarcoat it. We don't say, you know what? Yeah, this is, this, this is an awesome ride. Hop in. Nothing will ever bring your spirits down in this walk. No, Jesus puts the persecution of Christians and of his followers, he puts it at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount because it's that important. He wants people to know right away. Yeah, it's going to happen. But just because the world might bring hatred for your faith and it might try and kill your happiness, it cannot kill your happiness with Jesus. Cannot how high the highs in your life, no matter how low the lows in your life, it cannot kill your spiritual happiness. The world has no control to bring down your spiritual blessings. They're given to you by God. They are not taken away from this from you by this world. They cannot be taken away by the world. Finally, there's an NBA. Christian basketball player by the name of Jeremy Lin. Some of you might have heard of him. He was wildly popular in 2012 when he played with the New York Knicks. His, his play was so extravagant that, he was, that his play was referred to as Linsanity. For about two to three weeks, maybe a month, every single episode of SportsCenter on ESPN would start out featuring Jeremy Lin. And, and, and all the other sport network, sports networks would feature Jeremy Lin and, and something that was going on in his play. And over the next few years from then, he was traded from one team to another and to another and to another, and his stardom started to die. He has started out his career on this high to where he's on magazine covers and he's on sports TV shows and he's being interviewed and he's got great statistics and he's got great numbers, but his stardom and his star starts to diminish. One of the most surreal moments in his career would have come this last June as Jeremy Lin was a member of the Toronto Raptors, which is the team that won the NBA championship in June. But Jeremy only played one minute of the entire series. He was only on the court for one minute. The rest of the time, he sat on the bench and he watched his teammates play. There is no kid at eight years old that is out in the driveway shooting hoops who dreams of sitting on a bench and watching their friends play and win a championship. It's not what kids dream of. They want to contribute, right? That's, that's the dream of every child. Jeremy, he will get a ring for being part of that championship team. 
but it doesn't mean as much to him as it would have if he had an opportunity to contribute. There's a depression that he was in over the last couple of months. He felt that he was at rock bottom, even having that championship ring. He did an interview recently, and it said, when you hit rock bottom, the only way is up, but rock bottom just seems to be getting more and more rock bottom for me. Right after the Raptors won the championship, and this great disappointment in his career would have been pouring over him, he tweeted this. He says, God is perfectly the same through the highs and the lows. Anyone who knows me know I've, I believed this throughout all the downtimes, and he's just as good as he is at the mountaintop. He's just as good as in the downtimes as he is in the mountaintop. Sometimes our life is going to put us in valleys, but God is still good, amen? amen? Sometimes our life is going to put us in a time and in a place where we struggle with depression, but God is still good, amen? amen. There are biblical answers to find happiness. Our spiritual happiness is a direct blessing from God. And God being the creator of all things and being the creator of blessings also creates the pathway to our happiness. It's no secret that those who live outside of this pathway don't find the happiness that Jesus provides and don't find hope that Jesus provides. Sometimes we just need some help back onto the pathway. Sometimes we just need help back onto the pathway. If you're here this morning and you've struggled finding that hope and you've struggled finding that pathway, I want to pray with you in a couple of moments. How close are you to Jesus right now? How fulfilling is your life right now? Do you want to know how much more fulfilling your life could be? It could be even more fulfilling than it is now once we come even closer to Christ than we are now. There's always a distance between us and Christ that we could close by spending more time with Him by being more obedient to Him, by following His directions. I'm going to ask David to come up, and in a few minutes we're going to go outside and we're going to celebrate baptism. Baptism is this amazing public proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ, and, and there's three people this morning who are going to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I want the world to know. And all three of these people have found Christ and have found the blessings that come with walking with Jesus. But I'll tell you something. There's more blessings than simply come on day one from our life with Christ. Because the closer we come to Christ, the more we walk along this pathway of His blessedness, the more we walk in hope and happiness with Jesus. Will you pray with me?